You're a 415er. 415 You're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Please download the Odyssey app. Check us out there. Download, rate, subscribe to us as well. And uh, that is Mark Grandy. I am Evan Giddings. We got your second episode of the week, two every week in the offseason right here on the 415ers podcast. We're going to be getting into some of the takeaways that we have seen as well as heard from camp down in Santa Clara. Going to be talking about some interesting quotes from Kyle Shanahan, uh, George Kittle, as well as the biggest one probably from Debo Samuel, Mark. Mm. And, of course, a look at Nick Bosa and what might be coming his way. Uh, spoiler alert, cash. But before we get into all that, Mark, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, but yeah, probably not as well as Nick Bosa will be doing in a few months when he does cash in on that gigantic contract that he's going to get. We'll talk more about that later. But yes, despite the fact that I don't have that giant contract coming my way, Evan, I'm still doing pretty well. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I don't really know what I would throw that much amount of money uh, that Nick Bosa has coming his way on. Might be the maybe the Denver Nuggets. Uh, I'm not really sure at this point. Uh, we just finished up watching the NBA Finals as we're recording this on on Wednesday night. You'll be all hearing about it uh, on Thursday. But no, Mark, I, I'm good, man. No complaints. It's kind of an easier time of the year, and uh, it's softened as far as the sports content is concerned, but not as it pertains to the 49ers. And that's because no matter what happens each and every day from OTAs last week, now into the kind of smaller mini camp uh, that's been more mandatory for some players. We got quarterback action. We got controversy. We got battles going on. And it pretty much of course pertains to Trey Lance and Sam Darnold. But before we dig into that, QB two potential, maybe backup and fill in QB one type of role. Uh, Kyle Shanahan was asked about the hopeful quarterback one, and that was Brock Purdy. And he had an, an update on it, Mark, at least. I know like if we want updates. I, I totally get it, but there are none. So I can make something up, but there are none. <laughs> it's like just the next day of working out and rehabbing. And I don't get true involved in that. See him in the meetings, talk to him about football and stuff like that. Things, what will happen when he's healthy. And um, we're just waiting for him to get healthy. Yeah, slipped in that sort of at the end because it, there there is no update. In fact, Kyle Shanahan has no eyes, ears. Well, actually, maybe he's got ears, but no eyes on his, on his quarterback, Mark. Hasn't seen him at all, but apparently he's on track. Yeah, earlier in the week, he was asked about Brock Purdy like five different ways, and each time he started off the answer with some different version of, um, you know, I don't talk to him about that. Like he was asked about how is his uh, how's his mentality going? How does he feel about the whole situation? He's like, well, you know, I, I talk to Brock every day, but I don't ask him those kinds of questions. Or he, what does he look like? And, and Shanahan says, well, he's off on a side practice field. I don't really see him throw, you know. Uh, and then he was asked again, but just general like updates. He's like, well, there isn't there isn't an update as as you just heard there. So Kyle Shanahan is already trying his best to. Uh, dodge these kinds of questions uh, but you're right I mean everything we're hearing out of Santa Clara about Brock Purdy is that he's really at worst on pace it seems like he's ahead of schedule on his recovery and there does seem to be some momentum that he's going to be cleared for full action contact and all of that now quarterbacks generally don't get contacted all that much in team practices 
But the thought is that he should be cleared for that by the time uh, before week one. And it seems like he's going to be ready to start week one. So all good news there, despite the fact that Kyle Shanahan isn't really saying all that much. uh, It does seem to be, at least in the Brock Purdy realm, uh, all good news for the 49ers. Yeah, and the more I hear, whether it be Kyle Shanahan or John Lynch or other people talk about him, the more and more I feel like he is going to be the week one starter. It, it just, I, I don't see why all of a sudden they would shift their tone uh, because it's been pretty uniform the entire offseason since he's had the surgery in early March and every single hurdle he's had to clear so far he has uh but of course we'll keep an eye on that i thought the much more interesting piece of sound mark was his discussion about the guy that would probably be backing up brock purdy and that's right now between trey lance and sam darnold and here's what kyle shanahan had to say about that competition i mean we it's otas so i mean every position like i I think i've said you guys before like i don't try to come in and know who's ahead or not this is a all this stuff gives these guys a chance to have a chance to compete in training camp um, when you don't practice football an entire offseason you don't do any practice of football since you know your last game um, it's very hard to come to training camp and be ready to beat someone out and so that's what you try to provide all this stuff for is just to give guys a chance to get their learn the offense get their timing get everything so now when they go to training camp they're ready to compete and that's truly where i see the competition starting a chance for a chance mark and before I talk about the fact that Kyle Shanahan sounds like he's winded every single time he opens his mouth, uh, it, it did feel like a very Shanahan-esque quote. And right now, no matter what we see in OTAs or minicamp, it doesn't matter because training camp is where the real competition begins. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's fair to preface this by saying he did answer the question in a way that he set it up to saying, well, It's like for all these guys, it's just OTAs. They're fighting for a chance to get a chance in training camp to compete. So that wasn't just a Trey Lance, Sam Darnold quote there. He was kind of talking more generally. But the fact that that was the answer after a question about the quarterback two battle, which for all intents and purposes right now is the QB one battle because your QB one is not out there competing. Uh, You know, you're two two healthiest quarterbacks right now are Sam Darnold and Trey Lance. The fact that that is the messaging from Kyle Shanahan about Sam Darnold and Trey Lance is absolutely wild to me. A chance to have a chance to compete in training camp. Just think for a minute how crazy that is. This was the third overall pick in 2021. And he is fighting for a chance to have a chance to compete with Sam Darnold, a cast off you just picked up off the open market a couple of months ago, who has failed his his first two teams, the New York Jets and the Carolina Panthers. And now your prized number three overall quarterback is fighting with him in his first couple of months as a 49er, in his first offseason as a 49er. He's fighting with him for a chance not not just a chance to compete in training camp, a chance to have a chance to compete in training camp. I know this is the direction that we're going, but still, every time the 49ers talk about Trey Lance in this way, it just absolutely blows my mind. It is incredible, incredible how this situation has just been mismanaged by the 49ers. Most of it probably just the 
the, the pick itself, if he's truly this bad, then everything that they've done about him after the fact, I guess, is understandable. But it is insane, considering how high he was drafted. It is just absolutely wild that we're at this point where you're talking about Trey Lance needing to compete right now for a chance to have a chance even to compete for a spot in training camp. I hear that. The one thing that does give me solace, and it also could potentially work against Trey Lance because Kyle Shanahan has that sort of, I don't know if it's a high school or a college coach beginning of the year speech where, hey, I just want you to know that everybody that was on the starting roster for the team that went to the final four last season, your spots are not yours because it is all up in the air. And this is an open tryout, a competition between all guys. And this is where you get to prove that you deserve to even have a chance to compete for the spot. Let's be honest, Mark. That that's that's not the way this works. I mean, and anyone who's played competitive sports, no matter at what level, knows that there is an established hierarchy. There is at least a formulated thought in the in the decision maker's mind of where he wants a certain player to be and who he wants a certain player, he or she wants a certain player to position themselves. And right now, I can't tell whether Kyle Shanahan prefers Trey Lance, prefers Sam Darnold, prefers Brandon Allen. I don't know. But what I can tell from this is that Kyle Shanahan is simply trying to push this stuff down the road, and it appears to me like he is giving equal opportunity to these two guys. And that's evidenced by Trey Lance taking first-team reps first week of OTAs, Sam Darnold taking first-team reps second week now into minicamp. And I think by the end of this week, he will feel differently than what he just talked about, which is there's an idea in his mind coming in of who he prefers as his backup, and he's waiting for someone to prove him wrong. I believe he is waiting for Trey Lance to prove him wrong, and he is hoping that Trey Lance can leaps and bounds beat out Sam Darnold, who he brought in on a one-year, basically prove it, $4.5 million deal. And Trey Lance is in a position to, if he really has made all the strides that everyone has talked about in the offseason that George Kittle has referenced during OTAs, then I believe he is in that spot to hurdle Sam Darnold. And I do think that Kyle Shanahan wants him to. The question now is, can he stack those type of quality practices, quality days heading into training camp where he'll officially, it sounds like, have an opportunity to get that second quarterback spot. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, and, and again, what he says outwardly to the media probably is nowhere near what he says in the Niners locker room behind closed doors. If you are a Trey Lance fan and, and you're itching for some compliment, you referenced what George Kittle said about Trey Lance. Let's, let's take a listen to this. This was by far... From everything I've heard the 49ers say recently, by far the most complimentary anyone has been of Trey Lance in quite a while. This is George Kittle from earlier this week down in Santa Clara at minicamp. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I think Trey looks significantly better than he did last year. I really do. I think he's his confidence is there. I think that he's throwing really good passes. I know you guys take videos sometimes. He overthrows people once in a while. Hey, it is what it is. He's still learning and stuff, but... I mean, just watching him, he just looks so much more comfortable and confident in the pocket, and I really appreciate that from him, from all the work that he's put into it. Um, I think all of our quarterbacks, I know I saw one of you guys had a stat that Brandon Allen didn't have any completion yet. That's pretty cool for him, too. But yeah, I think all of our quarterbacks are playing well. But like I said, I think Trey's, he just looks comfortable back there, and he doesn't look like, um, 
he just looks like he's having fun, and I really appreciate that from him because when he's out there having a good time, it definitely brings up everyone around him. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Bosa says Lance looks significantly better this year than he did last year, which begs the question, why the hell was he the team starter last year? If he looks significantly better this year, he's not going to be the starter. But last year, he was the team starter. I don't know. I mean, something something's not adding up here. Well, first of all, I would hope that he would look significantly better than he did last year because, one, you want a guy to get better just in general. Uh, and number two, from all the reports of last year's preseason training camp prior to, it wasn't always the prettiest Trey Lance that was throwing the football. And George Kittle even kind of talked about that a little bit when he's saying he's overthrowing guys sometimes. But uh, to your question about why he was the starter, I, I think it's – probably the same reason he was drafted up to be chosen situation context. Jimmy Garoppolo was not ready to start the season. You didn't know what you had in Brock Purdy, but you knew that he was good enough to beat out Nate Sudfeld. Hell, maybe even Kyle Shanahan felt like he could have beat out Trey Lance, but you're not going to of course start a, a rookie seventh round pick week one. So by process of elimination, it was probably Trey. Yeah, probably. It's just, it, it's kind of, mind-blowing to hear and I think George Kittle's probably telling the truth here for the most part maybe the significant who knows how, how to even qualify that or to quantify that but throw a spiral <laughs> yeah probably but I mean it does seem safe to assume that Trey Lance is better at least he's looking better at this stage now than he was at this stage last year part of that last year is because of that finger injury that he was dealing with and it really derailed his entire off season. And he was just trying to figure out how to even grip the ball and, and throw a spiral correctly again, instead of focusing on all the other things like his throwing motion, his footwork and all of that, that, that needed to be addressed. So it just follows, it tracks logically that Trey Lance should be better. Now, uh, George Kittle also brought up something else kind of interesting he mentioned uh uh the 49ers other quarterback uh the the former Cincinnati Bengals backup Joe Burrow's backup uh Brandon Brandon Allen right Allen yeah yeah who uh at that point when George Kittle spoke hadn't thrown an incompletion in minicamp yet uh breaking news on Wednesday the night we're recording this he had a very bad day at minicamp did not look very good Com you know, more incompletions than completions in the 11 on 11 team drills for Brandon Allen. Uh, but it kind of been making some waves. The Brandon Allen hype, uh, Evan, throughout 49er media, throughout the fans, throughout, you know, Niners Twitter. Uh, and it got a lot of people wondering, well, Brandon Allen, might his great offseason be just the push the 49ers need to finally make a Trey Lance trade? And it is just absolutely insane that this is, a conversation right now. Brandon Allen, Joe Burrow's backup last year. I get it. You know, he probably a decent backup, but he's not going to push the 49ers to trade Trey Lance. That is an absolutely disgusting conversation to have. Uh, if Trey Lance is traded, it has nothing to do with Brandon Allen. I can promise you that. It has more to do with Brock Brody and Sam Darnold than anyone else. And probably, I mean, of course, Trey Lance himself. Um, but it is, it is kind of wild that that's been a conversation around 49ers minicamp already. Well, and what you're referencing is, uh, the 49ers play by play man, Greg Papa, bringing up the possibility of trading Trey Lance because 
Brandon Allen looks so good. I don't really want to get into that because honestly, I don't think Brandon Allen will factor into any, or I hope he won't have to factor in any of the 49ers quarterback conversations crossed. this season. Um, so I don't want to give him more time than, at least for right now, than, than he deserves. And that's not a slight, that's just reality. But I will say the last thing I believe is significant about George Kittle's comments is, I haven't kept receipts, Mark, but I do believe this is the first time that we have openly heard a teammate from the 49ers discuss Trey Lance's play as a significant positive. Emphasis on significant. Mm. But we have heard George Kittle, along with other teammates, come out in defense of, obviously, Brock Purdy, who looked very good last year. We've heard them talked about Jimmy Garoppolo and his ascension and defending him and his play. And... We haven't really heard that about Trey Lance, and I don't know if he's necessarily deserved it yet, but all the framing has been around Trey Lance and him catching up to the NFL's speed or Trey Lance overcoming an injury or Trey Lance you know, getting his sea legs under him. Nothing has been about his actual play so far, and so I thought that that was a great sign to hear George Kittle at least throw his guy some bones. And also, I mean, just the fact that Last year, it was reported by Mike Silver, Silver that there was some you know, kind of comments from the locker room about Trey Lance maybe not being the guy and not guys talking behind his back, but natural quarterback speak of, hey, well, if our number, if our signal caller might not be ready for the job, then you know, we might have to go different directions. I don't know, but I felt like it was at least a, a step in the right direction from the team as opposed to just hearing about the coaches saying, yeah, well, you know, Trey's uh, <laughs> looking pretty good coming off an offseason. I think you're right when you use the word significant because there's certainly been, I think I can remember George Kittle last offseason being like, yeah, Trey looks good. You know, he throws a real fast ball, like that sort of thing. Uh, but you're right when you when you consider, I don't know, this seems like the biggest, most positive compliment that he's gotten. And you bringing up what Mike Silver reported on last year, I think is 100% right. There was all this, the politics of the locker room, George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk and a number of other 49ers, gigantic Jimmy Garoppolo fans, like best friends off of the football field, it seemed like as well. And there was a little bit of that friction between the young, up-and-coming, presumptive starter Trey Lance and the veteran who had accomplished a lot with the franchise already in Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, so not saying that George Kittle has now totally flipped and is thinking, well, Trey Lance should be starting over Brock Purdy. But at the very least, and maybe a part of this is because of the, the fact that it seems like Brock Purdy is the presumptive starter. So George Kittle doesn't have to worry about Trey Lance being the starter anymore, potentially. But it does seem like you're right. This is the, the first time uh, we've we've heard a, a real concrete, for sure, positive compliment towards Trey Lance by a teammate about his play on the football field. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. That's Mark Grady. I'm Evan Giddings. That's a twice a week here in the offseason. Just talking about the quarterbacks, some of our takeaways from the second week here in minicamp down in Santa Clara. Uh, the other big story coming out of that, of course, Mark, was Debo Samuel and his comments about... His last season, of course, an All-Pro in 2021, was the straw that stirred the drink for the 49ers on their route to a 
you know, a close loss in the NFC Championship. Last year, not so as much, but he obviously didn't have as great of a year, and he had this to say about his performance. How did you, would you assess your season last year? Oh, it was awful. It was awful. In what way? Every aspect. Did that leave a, a bitter taste in your mouth? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, me and Kyle had a long meeting the other day. We watched tape. Uh, we talked about it. We put it behind us, and um, just going through the tape and just look how sluggish and like how bad it looked on tape. Um, like I said, uh, just reflecting on last offseason, it kind of played a big role in that. And I never put nothing like that back on tape again. Did you feel it as the season was going on, or was it not until you went back and watched it? <laughs> uh, I was kind of behind the eight ball a little bit um, for us, you know. Uh, being in my routine that I normally be in for is the offseason, getting ready to play because, like I said, uh, a lot of distractions was going on. But, um, yeah, I kind of felt it, but I was just, you know, uh, trying to will my way to help the team in every aspect possible. You heard it straight from the horse's mouth. Mark, Debo Samuel, an awful season last year. Hopes he never puts anything like that on tape again. Your thoughts? Uh, well, it definitely was a whole lot worse than his 2021 year. I'm not sure I would characterize it as awful, uh, but what Trent Williams said was everyone's their own harshest critic, and that's certainly true. Uh, I mean, what? He had 1,700 combined yards in 2021. He was an all-pro. It's what earned him the gigantic contract last offseason. Played 13 games last year, was banged up with injury here and there, but had almost 1,000 fewer total yards, 864 combined yards last season he still had big plays he still came through in big moments for the 49ers um, but no one is going to doubt that Debo Samuel was anywhere near where he was last year as he was in 2021 that is as plain you can see it in the stats if you can see it if you're just watching individual games he was nowhere near the spark plug that he was the previous season uh, so if, if you're a 49er fan, you want to hear Debo Samuel come out and say this. The one thing that's a little interesting to me, Evan, is he he kind of blamed it if there was blame to go around on his slow start because he was late joining the team through their offseason programs because of his trade request, because of his desire to get the gigantic contract, which he ultimately got. Now, who knows? We don't know for sure if he actually wanted to be traded or if that was just a negotiation tactic. But the fact that he partially, at least, blames his, as he says, awful 2022 season because of the whole offseason. Now, he didn't say that the trade demand and, and all of that, just the offseason, which we can infer means the, the trade request and everything following that. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Debo, but that's kind of on you. Uh, and and you, you need to, you know, make sure that you're ready and you have your body ready and you're ready to go when the season does come around. And this time there's no excuses now. Um, so I think it's interesting. The added on comment there after calling the season awful, why the season was awful because of last year's off season. Okay. I get it. Understandable, but that's at least half on you. And there's no excuses this time around because you're under contract. You have the gigantic contract you've been waiting for, for a long time. Yeah, it certainly could be about not wanting to make excuses and wanted to put last year behind him, you know, 1,800 yards to 864, whatever it was, is a steep fall off. I know he dealt with some injuries, and I think a big reason that he was a little worried about not getting that deal is just because he'd never stayed healthy throughout an entire season before 2021 or, of course, thereafter. Uh, 18 touchdowns to five touchdowns total is a huge drop-off, but... 
when I hear Debo Samuel talk about his awful season being connected to kind of the contract negotiations and not being in camp here at this time last year, I hear Charlie Sheen. I hear money talks. And I think that's also what is provoking a potential resurgent year for Debo. Last year, he was comfortable. He got his bag. And he spent the majority of the offseason trying to get the money that he was deserved based off of his stellar first-team All-Pro 2021 year, in which I think we can all identify him as the best offensive player on that team. Now, moving forward, there are also some decisions that the Foreigners have to make upcoming after this next year. Now, Debo's going to get his money. His, maybe not the fully guaranteed $70 million, but he got paid. Now... It's about securing his spot on the roster for the future and proving that he is closer to the 2021 version of Debo Samuel than the 2022. But it all comes back to money. You wanted to get paid last offseason. Totally understandable. This upcoming year, you want to, of course, pick up that $19 million check, but you also want to pick up the rest of it down the line. $20 million, $20 plus million. And I think that it's not a. It's. It's. It, I don't want to frame it like it's a selfish thing that that he's kind of going through, but I think he realizes, you know, there's a lot of importance on this year. There's a lot of pressure on him to perform, and he cannot afford to have a year like he did last year. If one, he wants to stick around, and two, of course, he wants to, you know, be as good as he was in 2021. So I think there's a lot of factors that play into that soundbite of him calling himself awful as well as not wanting to put anything like that on tape again. Yeah, and I think in addition to that, it's, okay, look at how Brandon Ayuk has come into this offseason. Uh, he has been the star of 49ers OTAs and now minicamp so far. Uh, on Wednesday of this week, Diamondor Lenore, uh, who is a likely starting quarterback cornerback for the 49ers, said, uh, Brandon Ayuk is the toughest wide receiver on the 49ers to cover. And he thinks Brandon Ayuk has a top five wide receiver season in him coming up in 2023. So I think this comment for Debo Samuel about his awful season and how he's promising that it's not going to happen again. I think it's, it's him admitting that he's feeling a, a bit of pressure. He knows he has to put up a great season once again this year. Because you're right, what's coming up next offseason for the 49ers is a gigantic decision. And as you break down the, the numbers, as you look at the roster, as you look at the contracts, and you look at just the players the 49ers have, and you try to avoid any potential redundancy, it seems like there's a decision coming for the 49ers between Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. Which one you keep it and which one you getting rid of? And I think Debo Samuel wants to be a 49er for as long as the 49ers want to keep him around. I think he loves Kyle Shanahan's system. He loves, obviously, the success that this team has enjoyed since Debo Samuel was drafted here a handful of years ago. I think he wants to be a 49er. I could be wrong on that, but I think he does. So I, I think considering that decision that's likely coming up next year, considering the, the upward trend that Brandon Ayuk is on, I think Debo Samuel is feeding, feeling a little bit of pressure. It's not a contract year for Debo, but it's a year that might decide the rest of his future, at least the rest of his future with the San Francisco 49ers. If he has a similar season this year as he did in 2022, it could be his final year as a 49er. 
So again, it's not a contract year, but it almost acts in a similar way because I think Debo Samuel knows he has to put up, otherwise he might be on the way out. Well, and I don't think it's a matter of stats. I think it's Mm -hmm. a matter of impact. And I mean, yes, you could say he only had a one... 100 yard receiving game last year in 2021. I think he had five and he had like three in the first six weeks of the season. <laughs> so he came out of the gates blistering hot. And then of course, transition to kind of that, that wide back, that hybrid that can do both out of the backfield as well as in, I do think this year we're going to see him out of the gates be featured in the backfield along with Christian McCaffrey, that, that kind of run, uh, what do they call it? run CMC sort of a, a setup back there with Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. I think he's going to want the ball more in the red zone. The one area that I think he does provide a huge impact for the 49ers is he has maybe even more than McCaffrey. And for, we saw it in 2021. He has a nose for the end zone, like no other member on that offense. I mean, he can take, it's like his game speed is incredible. He can take a five yard slant to the house. He can burrow through a linebacker. He, he can run over a safety. Uh, he can take guys with him inside the pile. He doesn't necessarily do anything in an elite fashion, but he does everything very well. And so I think if he gets off to a great start this year, uh, well, number one, it'll help whoever's at quarterback at the beginning of this season. And it'll also help the 49ers, I think, down the stretch, try to figure out who they want to be offensively. And Debo Samuel is the type of player to me, Mark, that is a playoff performer. We saw him with a 100-plus yard game against Seattle in the first round of the playoffs last year. To me, he is a guy that is difficult to cover because he's so unpredictable in how Shanahan and the 49ers like to use him. So uh, I, I love to hear that he wants to bounce back and that he thought last year was awful. I don't necessarily believe it was awful because I saw him have flashes of greatness, uh, but that was much more inconsistent to what we saw from from a year ago. Yeah, no, you're right. And it, 100%, you want your star player to think and feel that way. I'm not sure there are many other people who would, you know, grade his season as awful. You're right. I I certainly would, wouldn't. There's nowhere near as good as he was the year before. But again, that was a record-breaking season. Like, you're not going to just walk out of bed and roll out of bed and repeat that. Like, that, that's not going to happen. Debo Samuel could have another fantastic season, be an all-pro this year, and totally change the conversation about, you know, Samuel versus Ayuk, and he still could not come close to what he did in 2021. That's how incredible that season was. Uh, So when you compare the two, yeah, one certainly pales in comparison, but he also was not bad last year. Also, his touches, he didn't get as many. The 49ers didn't need as much from him last year. I think it's one thing to say, Evan, Debo Samuel had almost a thousand fewer combined yards this most recent season as the one before. And the 49ers struggled. They went about 500. They went nine, uh, whatever it is, nine and eight on on the season. And and they just sneaked into the playoffs. They got the last seed in the NFC. It's like, okay, Debo, your team was struggling. They really needed you to step up and will them to victories. That's not how it went at all. Once Christian McCaffrey got in after the first loss, when they lost to the Chiefs, when McCaffrey didn't play a a full complement of snaps, the 49ers did not lose the rest of the way. And yes, they were chasing the two seed. Uh, They were chasing the Vikings. They eventually caught them and got that two seed. But the 49ers did not need 
to run Debo Samuel into the ground just to get into the playoffs like they did in 2021. So I think also the way the season went had an impact on Debo Samuel's stats, which I think to your point is why you shouldn't just be considering statistics when you figure out how Debo Samuel did this coming year or any given year. The situation around the team matters a whole lot. And if things go to plan for the 49ers, they probably won't need Debo Samuel to will them to victories this year like they did in 2021. So something to keep in mind as well is just game script. How many snaps is he playing? How many touches is he getting on a given week? It's probably better to look on an individual level. How many tackles is he breaking per touch? How many yards is he gaining? His yak numbers, are they up? Are they down from last year? More on an average per game, per snap, per touch basis as opposed to as a season uh, how he compared to whatever year you're looking at there's the 415ers on the odyssey sports podcast network with 95.7 the game that's mark randy i'm evan giddings we're coming at you twice a week here in the off season a discussion about debo samuel discussion about the quarterbacks in minicamp and then we want to finally settle on uh something that doesn't need a, a whole lot of discussion mark but nick bosa's Canton-like mindset, and this guy is absolutely on the right track for the Hall of Fame. I don't know if he retired today, if he would necessarily get in, uh, but he is certainly on his way. And um, Steve Wilkes, the defensive coordinator, sort of brought that up. But uh, but one thing that you know, of course, is on everyone's mind is maybe not when, but how much Nick Bosa is going to get paid. And I have to imagine, Mark, it's going to be if not the exact same as Aaron Donald, who's the highest defensive player in football, it'll probably be more. And my my guess would be more per year. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, D- Dar- uh, Donald, excuse me, I'm thinking of Sam Darnold. Uh, but Aaron Donald uh, making about $31.6 million annually. Uh, that's the NFL's highest paid defensive player currently. Uh, if Nick Bosa wants more than that, he will get more than that. It's certainly a negotiation but the 49ers under no circumstances are not signing Nick Bosa to a contract extension. So if Nick Bosa wants to maximize his money, which he should, he has every right to do so, he and his camp will not sign on the dotted line until he is the highest paid player, defensive player in NFL history. Um, So I think the starting point for me is Aaron Donald's average annual value. Again, about $31.6 million. Um, I would be shocked if it's less than that. It'll be more in my mind. That's what Nick Bosa deserves. That's what he's going to get. And that's what he told reporters earlier this week uh, on Tuesday when he was asked about the contract. One, he says he feels confident that it's going to get done. Uh, But he said, quote, I think I'll get what I deserve. Nick Bosa, you deserve every penny that you want. So he's going to get everything, which is going to be more than Aaron Donald. Yeah, I agree that he'll look if it's in a $35 million range, I think that's appropriate. He's coming off his arguably best defensive season as defensive player of the year. Um, If he stays healthy, wouldn't be surprised to see him run up another one. I think he is poised for kind of a, a JJ Watt type of run. I don't know if people are familiar with how incredible JJ Watt was at the beginning of his career in Houston. I know Nick is a little bit older than JJ Watt was when he went through his string of three defensive player of the year awards. Nick Bosa is going to be turning 26 this season, uh, by no means old. But the the question that I kind of have is, are you comfortable with paying a non-quarterback 
the highest amount of money on the team and specifically $35 million. Because, Mark, that is quarterback money. It is, no doubt. And again, I mean, it would be by far blowing out of the water the record for highest paid defensive player. Uh, I think 31 out of 32 NFL teams would say no. We we don't want to do that. We want to save up a little bit of money to give our prized quarterback, whoever that might be, uh, a gigantic deal and try to lock him up. Now, that's ideally not 31 of 32 NFL teams don't have that quarterback that is worth that amount of money. But the 49ers and the way that they have set things up, uh, their plan as we've talked about so many times has been to try to win a Super Bowl when you have a quarterback that you can rely on. And that is good enough to win a Super Bowl, but do it while he's on his rookie contract. Now for so long, we all thought that was Trey Lance, but it seems now like that might be Brock Purdy. And that's the plan. The 49ers have been going for, for quite a while, a bit of a change up again, when it's a different quarterback, we all were expecting, but with that plan, if you find the right quarterback, which the Niners certainly hope they have, you can afford to do things like this. Pay Debo Samuel as much as you paid him last offseason. Pay Nick Bosa maybe potentially $35 million a year, certainly more than $31.5 million a year. You can afford to do those things. And if I'm looking at the San Francisco 49ers roster and the contracts and the money, hell yeah, I'm comfortable with that because the 49ers have a cheap option at quarterback as it currently stands. The 49ers can survive a gigantic contract given to Nick Bosa, unlike few other teams can. Really, simply put, the other Super Bowl contenders could not possibly afford to make this work and keep the rest of the talent the 49ers have on their roster. It's different for San Francisco because they have cheap quarterback options, and they can do this and if I'm in their position, I would absolutely want to, and I, I would follow through and do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, look, the 49ers are going to do this. This isn't a question of if they should or not. They will. They should. Nick Bosa deserves to be paid $30-plus million for how good of a player he is. Uh, but what you brought up that last point is, I think, where this goes next and in the future, which is, what does that prevent you from doing? Because the question when everyone signs a quarterback to $35, $40 million a year is, all right, well, where's that money going to come from? Who does that enable you, or I should say disable you, from trying to go out and acquire? That is a question that the 49ers are going to have to answer after next season, ideally when this extension would kick in. At least I'm assuming it'll kick in, unless they choose to, I guess they could kick it down the road, they could sign his fifth year, and then go from there. But I think that he's going to get his money, and I think that the 49ers are then going to be in a bit of a, a, a stranglehold mark financially. Um, but that's why I think it puts so much more importance on this year and the type of finale that they would like to have because then it would make the rest of those difficult decisions easier to swallow if you're coming off a potential Super Bowl appearance or ideally a win. Uh, but Nick Bosa, he's going to be, I believe, in, in the Hall of Fame one day. That's not a hot take. And I think that he deserves the money that he's about to get from the 49ers. So yeah, it's certainly, some, certainly something to uh, to keep an eye on. But that'll do it for this episode of the 415ers podcast, brought to you by the Aussie Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. That's Mark Grandy. I'm Evan Giddings. Coming at you twice a week. Please download the Odyssey app. Rate, subscribe to us there. And we'll be talking to you next week. 
little bit less to to discuss practice-wise, Mark, but I'm sure the 49ers, as they always do, will give us something intriguing to talk about. But that'll do it for this episode. We appreciate you listening to the 415ers podcast. We'll talk to you next time.